0: JESUS IN THE DESERT, MARRIAGE FEAST, FIRST PASH, PART THIRTEEN, JESUS IN NAZARETH, THE THREE YOUTHS, THE FEAST Purim. From Sephorus, Jesus took a byway around some country houses to Nazareth, about two hours distant, teaching and consoling as he went. Among the disciples now with him were two or three youths, sons of Asinian widows, arrived at Nazareth he put up with some acquaintances, and without being remarked, visited several good people. The Pharisees, with an outward show of respect, but inwardly full of malice, called upon Jesus to ask him what he now purposed doing and why he did not stay with his mother, which questions he answered gravely and sharply. Preparations were going on all around for the fast day observed in remembrance of Ether, also for that of the feast of Purim, immediately to follow jesus taught very zealously in the synagogue that night i again saw jesus praying with outstretched arms and again appearing on the sea of galilee to bear help in a storm this time the distress was much greater and many more vessels were in danger i saw jesus laying his hand on the helm without the helmsman seeing him the three rich youths of nazareth had once before vainly proffered their petition to him to be perceived as disciples, came to him again, reiterating their request. They almost knelt to him, but he sent them away after pointing out certain conditions that had to be f- f- fulfilled before he would allow them to join his disciples. Jesus knew well that their views were wholly terrestrial, and that they could not understand him. They wanted to follow him, because they saw in him a philosopher, a learned rabbi. After a time spent in his school, they could, as they thought, shine with a more brilliant reputation and do honor to their city Nazareth. They were besides somewhat vexed at seeing him giving the preference to the poor sons of Nazareth rather than to themselves. Until far into the night I saw Jesus with the old Asinian, Iliad of Nazareth. The holy man looked as if he would soon die of old age he was no longer able for much. Indeed, he was almost bedridden. Jesus leaned on his arm at the bedside and talked with him. Eliud was entirely absorbed in God. At the commencement of the Feast of Purim, a musical instrument, which stood on three feet, was again played on the roof of the synagogue. It was hollow with pipes running through it, ends extending both above and below. By pushing the pipes in and out, the music was produced. Children also were playing on harps and flutes. Today, in commemoration of Esther, the women and young maidens enjoyed certain rites and privileges in the synagogue. They were not separated from the men. They could even approach where the priests were. There was a procession in the synagogue of children dressed fancifully, some in white, others in red. Then a maiden entered, wearing around her neck an ornament, somewhat frightful-looking. It was a blood-red circle around her throat as if she had been beheaded, and from it hung on her white garments numerous knots of blood-red threads, like so many streaks of blood from the wounded neck. She wore a magnificent mantle borne by train-bearers and appeared to be enacting the principal part in some drama. Children and maidens followed her. She wore a high, pointed ornament on the fore part of her head and a long veil. In her hand she carried something, "'whether a sword or a scepter, I do not know. "'She was tall and a maiden of great beauty. "'I do not know for certain "'what distinguished character she represented. "'It might, I think, have been Esther or again Judith, "'though not that Judith who slew Holofernes, "'for there was with her a maiden "'who carried a beautiful basket "'containing presents for the chief priest. "'She presented to him many precious little shields, "'such as the priests wore sometimes "'on the forehead or the breast.' One corner of the synagogue, concealed by a curtain, lay upon a bed of state the effigy of a man, whose head the maiden struck off and took to the chief priest. Then making use of the privilege granted to females on that day, she rebuked the priests for the principal faults they had committed during the year. That done, she withdrew. This privilege to rebuke the priests belonged to the women on certain other feasts also." In the synagogue, they read in turn from separate rolls the book of Esther, Jesus also taking his turn to read. The Jews, especially the children, had little wooden tablets with hammers. When they pulled a string, the hammer struck a name inscribed on the tablet, while at the same time holders uttered some words. They did this as often as the name of Ammon was pronounced. There are also great banquets. Jesus was present at that given to the priests in the grand public hall. The adornments of this feast were similar to those of the Feast of Tabernacles. There were numbers of wreaths, roses as large as one's head, pyramids made up entirely of flowers, and quantities of fruit. A whole lamb was on the table, and I gazed in wonder at the magnificence of the plates, glasses, and dishes. There was one kind of dish, many-colored and transparent, like precious stones. They looked as if formed of interwoven threads of colored glass. There was today a great exchange of gifts, consisting principally of jewels and handsome articles of apparel, such as robes, maniples, veils for the head, and sashes trimmed with tassels. Jesus too was presented with a holiday robe trimmed in like manner, but he would not keep it. He passed it to another. Many others likewise bestowed their presents on the poor, who were very bountifully remembered that day. After the banquet, Jesus and his disciples walked with the priests to the pleasure gardens and the beautifully adorned teaching places near Nazareth. They had with them three rolls of writings, and I saw again the book of Esther, out of which they read in turn. Crowds of youths and maidens followed them, but the latter listened to the discourse only at a distance. I saw also on that day men going around and taking up attacks. From Nazareth, Jesus and his disciples went to Ephica, about four hours distant. But returned to Nazareth for the following Sabbath and visited the dying Eliad. The priests of Nazareth could not comprehend where Jesus, in so short an absence had come by so much knowledge they could find nothing reprehensible in his teaching, though many were secretly envious of him. They escorted him part of the way when he left Nazareth with his disciples. Part fourteen Jesus at Lazarus's estate near Thirza, and at his home and Bethania. Jesus, taking the road traveled by the Holy Family on the occasion of their flight into Egypt, arrived with his disciples at the little place not far from Legio, where the Holy Family had put up, and where lived a set of despised people like slaves. Jesus bought some bread there, and as he divided it, it was multiplied in his hands. But the miracle created no excitement, since he did not tarry long, and performed it, as it were, in passing. Proceeding on his journey, he was met by Lazarus, John Mark, and Obed, who had come for that purpose. With them, Jesus went on to Lazarus's villa near Thirza, about five hours distant. They arrived unnoticed and by night, and found all things ready for their reception. The villa was on a mountain toward Samaria, not far from Jacob's field. A very old Jew, who went barefoot and girt, was the steward, an office he had held even when Mary and Joseph stopped here on their journey to Bethlehem. It was at this same villa that Martha and Magdalene, in Jesus' last year when he was teaching in Samaria, showed him hospitality and implored him to come to their brother Lazarus, who was sick. Near that estate of Lazarus was the then small city of Therse, situated in a lovely region about seven hours' journey from Samaria. The morning sun to which Therse was exposed Rendered it extremely fruitful in grain, wine, and orchard fruits. The inhabitants were engaged chiefly in agriculture, the products of which they carried to a distance for sale. The city was once large and handsome, and the residence of kings, but the palace had been consumed by fire, and the city ruined by war. One king, Amri, had made that property of Lazarus his home until the building of Samaria, whither he then removed. The people of Thirza were in Jesus' time very pious and lived very retired in their little isolated city. I think there are some remains of it even in our own day. The inhabitants were very reserved in their intercourse with the Samaritans. Jesus taught in the synagogue of Thirza, but performed no cures. On the Sabbath began the feast of the dedication of the temple of Zerubbabel. It was not so solemn as the dedication feast of the Maccabees, though in the houses, in the streets, out in the fields among the shepherds, and in the synagogue there were numbers of lights and fires. Jesus spent the greater part of the day in the synagogue with all the disciples. His meals were taken at Lazarus's, but he ate sparingly. The greatest portion of the food was distributed to the poor of Thirza, of whom there were large numbers. Such distributions were constantly made during his stay, THE CITY STILL POSSESSED, IN ANCIENT WALLS AND TOWERS, SOME REMAINS OF ITS FORMER GREATNESS. IT IS PROBABLE THAT THE HOUSE OF LAZARUS, WHICH IS NOW FIFTEEN MINUTES FROM THE CITY, WAS formerly COMPRISED WITHIN ITS LIMITS, FOR THE GARDENS WERE INTERSPERSED WITH ALL KINDS OF RUINED WALLS AND FOUNDATIONS. LAZARUS INHERITED THIS PROPERTY FROM HIS FATHER. HERE AS ELSEWHERE, HE WAS HELD IN GREAT HONOR AND ESTEEM AS A VERY WEALTHY AND PIOUS, YES, A VERY ENLIGHTENED MAN. His deportment rendered him very distinguished from other men. He was remarkably grave and spoke very little, but that little with great mildness and to the point. When the feast was over, Jesus left Thirza with Lazarus and the disciples and proceeded on his journey to Judea. The direction was that taken by Mary and Joseph when going to Bethlehem, though the road was not exactly the same, but it ran through the same region, through the mountains near Samaria. I saw them climbing a high mountain on a night that was lovely, mild, and clear, a beneficent dew bathing the whole region. There were about eighteen companions with Jesus, and they walked two and two, some before him, some behind him, and some at his side. When the breadth of the road permitted, Jesus often stood still to instruct them and to pray. A great part of the night was spent on this journey. Toward morning, they rested and took a light repast, after which carefully shutting the cities and towns, they continued their way over a mountain on which the air blew keen and cold. Not far from Samaria, I saw Jesus going along with about six of his disciples. A young man from the city cast himself down on the road before him, saying, Savior of men, thou that art to free Judea and restore to her her former glory, etc. Thinking that Christ was about to found an earthly kingdom, he begged to be received into the number of his followers and the hope of being appointed to some post of distinction. He was an orphan, but had inherited large possessions from his father, and he held some kind of an office in Samaria. Jesus treated him very graciously. He told him that, on his return, he would say whether he would receive him or not, that he was pleased with his goodwill and humility, and that he had nothing to say against what he alleged, etc. But I saw that Jesus knew how greatly the young man was attached to his riches, and that, Wishing to give them him a lesson, he would not vouchsafe him an answer until after he had chosen the apostles. The young man came once more to Jesus, and that second visit is recorded in the Gospel. In the evening before the Sabbath began, I saw them arrive at the Shepherd Inn between the two deserts, about four or five hours from Bithynia. Mary and the Holy Woman stayed there overnight when they went to Bithynia to see Jesus before the baptism. The shepherds from the country around gathered together, bringing gifts and other necessaries. The inn was transformed into an oratory, a lamp was lighted, and there they remained. Jesus taught here and celebrated the Sabbath. While traveling on this mountainous and lonely road, he stopped likewise at the place where Mary, on her journey to Bethlehem, had suffered so from the cold, and where afterwards she had been miraculously warmed. Jesus and his disciples spent the whole of the Sabbath among these shepherds, who were so happy to have him and so deeply moved by his presence. Even Jesus himself appeared brighter among these simple, innocent people. After the Sabbath, he went on to Bithynia, four hours distant.